Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear-Pashman. Name it, act on it, sanction it. That is the mantra of a four-year plan to combat racism, anti-Semitism, and discrimination of all kinds, recently launched by French Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne. The plan includes initiatives such as a required yearly trip to a Holocaust museum or memorial site, training teachers and civil servants about discrimination, and issuing arrest warrants for those who abuse France's parameters for freedom of expression to spread hate. Here to talk about France's bold initiative and AJC's role in bringing it about is AJC Paris director Anne-Sophie Seban-Bekash. Anne-Sophie, welcome to People of the Pod. Hello, Mania. Nice to be with you. So, Anne-Sophie, 20-some years ago, the French government was, frankly, in denial that anti-Semitism even existed in France. And now we have a plan to combat it. Can you walk us through how the mindset has changed over the years? Yes, sure. So, as you said, the French Jews felt relatively lonely for many, many years when anti-Semitism started in the country at the beginning of the year 2000, when the Second Intifada had consequences here in France with many uh, violent demonstrations that ended up targeting Jews. And both the French society and French government were slow to respond, but Unfortunately, with growing anti-Semitic incidents happening with very violent ones, including terrorist attacks happening, there was a growing awareness about it and the government started to react more strongly. And we as ADC Paris, we promoted the creation of a specific governmental body commissioner in charge of thinking of a national plan strategy to combat this form of hatred. And that's what they did 10 years ago. So we had this turning point 10 years ago. And especially they put this body under the umbrella of the prime minister just to show the level of attention that the government was starting to give to the phenomenon. So I imagine also in that time, the rise of social media, the rise of kind of far-right factions as France becomes more multicultural and diverse also had something to do with the mindset in terms of recognizing the importance of addressing this? Yes, of course. We saw anti-Semitism coming from what I just described, meaning hatred against Israel. This movement really grew starting from the year 2000. And it's been really, really hard to create awareness about it. And the turning point, I would say, was recently with the adoption of the IRA working definition of anti-Semitism. But we also identified, thanks to our survey, by, by the way, the pockets of anti-Semites in France coming, as you mentioned it, from the extreme right. This is something that we knew because of history, but it's still very much present. We see that the militants of extreme right parties are more sensitive to anti-Semitic prejudices. We also see that extreme left militants are also sharing more anti-Semitic prejudices. And we also see uh, seed from an important part of the Muslim uh, community uh, in France. So it's coming from basically all the extreme movements in France. 
So walk us through the plan. I mean, I mentioned tough penalties for hate speech, the required annual trip to a Holocaust site, which I think is amazing. An AJC survey here in America recently found that 74% of Americans have never visited a Holocaust memorial site, which is mind-blowing. What are some other highlights there in France of the plan? I think one of the main highlights I would like to mention here is something global, something that we've been actually advocating as AJC Paris for a long time, because, you know, we have plans every three years. And every three years, we are among the civil society organizations who are asked, what can we do? Share with us your recommendations, etc. And like a few years ago, I was asking the commissioner, I had a very good relationship with him. And I was asking him, like, before I'm sharing with you more recommendations, like, how can we know if the previous plan has worked? How can we know if the existing measures are actually having an impact? And how do we measure that this impact? He didn't really have an answer. So we, I think we really had to put in place indicators and a way to measure the efficiency of the plans. And this is the main innovation of the plan that was announced this week. They are adding indicators for each measure with regular reports to assess the efficiency, the concrete implementation of the different measures. Because the question is, like, how do we measure the public action on this? Are we just looking at the level of anti-Semitic incidents per year and see if it's decreasing? The reality is that it's been 20 years in France that the level is still very high. So we need to create more indicators. And I think that our survey and the one that you also do in the U.S. is a good indicator because we measure not only the perceptions of French Jews, but also of the French society at large. We measure the level of prejudices. So this kind of indicator should be used. And this is also something that they will add based on our survey, by the way. They will use our survey, but they will add in, in their own, in the own survey that, you know, some public administrations are doing every year. They will add questions about the perceptions and the, the experience of French people of racism and anti-Semitism. And I think that this is really key. And this is an important contribution that we had. Now, on another aspect, I think it's also important to mention because when we talk about the statistics that are released every year, it's only based on complaints. And we know, again, thanks to our survey, that 80% of French Jews who have been victims of anti-Semitism don't file a complaint. So there is really room for progress in the judicial police response to uh, anti-Semitism. And some recommendations of ours have been included in, in the plan on that matter. So they will facilitate for the victims the way policemen are taking the complaints. They will make it easier for the policemen to be able to identify the anti-Semitic motivation. It used not to be the case. You used to go to the police and tell about what happened to you. And the policemen didn't really have a way to qualify what happened to you as anti-Semitic. And so they will add training for the policemen. Training that, by the way, will include anti-Semitism related to hatred against Israel using the IRA working definition. And we think that this is, uh, this is really key, really important. So these are the highlights. So in other words, in addition to kind of improving the accuracy of documented hate crimes or acts of anti-Semitism, this plan also takes very seriously the perceptions of anti-Semitism, the perceptions of the Jewish community, which are just as important, right? Even if it's not an actual documented act. Of course, this is really uh, why we always say that we have to put the statistics in perspective because they don't 
show the complete reality of the phenomenon. They don't show, as you just mentioned, the, the experience of the French Jews, the impact that it has on their daily life. You know, what we call the strategy of avoidance. I don't know if you say it like that, but the fact that French Jews are avoiding certain areas because they fear anti-Semitism, they avoid certain neighborhoods, they avoid wearing visible sign of their Jewish identity, they avoid saying they're Jews, when they're in a cab or where they're in certain areas. All of those things are, are part of the phenomenon and should be considered by the French society at large. No citizens should have to avoid certain areas because they fear for their safety. That's certainly something to pay attention to. In fact, this report comes at the same time that another report is being released, the annual hate crime statistics report that we have a similar one here in America. There have been issues with that. We won't go into that. But they're in France. And the hate crimes report actually reported declining numbers of documented anti-Semitic incidents, right? Can those numbers even be trusted? So they have to be trusted, but they have to be put in perspective, as I said, for many reasons. So first of all, as I said, those statistics are the one of the Ministry of Interior, and therefore they're only based on complaints. And we know that French Jews, uh, victims of anti-Semitism, 80% of them say that they don't file a complaint for several reasons. So that's one. Number two, we are talking about a level of anti-Semitism that is really, really high, and it's been the case for the last past 20 years. And even if there is a decrease in comparison to last year, we are still at that very high level. And, you know, in the 80s or in the 90s, we were under maybe 80 anti-Semitic incidents per year. And since the beginning of the year 2000, we have an annual average of 500, of six, like almost 600 acts per year. And we're still at that level. So we also have to put the historical perspective. And lastly, we also have to consider the whole picture, meaning that in the total of anti-religious acts, anti-Semitic acts are still more than 60% of them for a Jewish population that represents less than 1% of the French population. So there is still another representation of anti-Semitism in France. And an adding element that I want to address is that we have to understand that anti-Semitism goes beyond the Jewish community. It's a phenomenon that's affecting French society across the sectors and even non-Jews. And that's actually something that the protection service of the Jewish community, who is also collecting these annual statistics, were saying recently, and I found it very interesting. The director was saying that the data collection is only based on, on complaints by Jews, by French Jews. But the reality is that we have non-Jews who are affected by anti-Semitism. The President Macron, to start with, I mean, in demonstrations, every time there is a social crisis, you know, he's insulted being, you know, because he worked for the Rothschild Bank, that he's affiliated to the international finance. I mean, we see anti-Semitic prejudices and insults across the society, and it's a sign of a serious crisis in our society, in our democracy. That's also something we, we really want to focus on. It goes beyond the statistics and the solely Jewish community. In other words, anti-Semitism is becoming a tool and a weapon that's hurled at even non-Jews who might support the existence of Israel or support the Jewish community in general. It's just being hurled everywhere. Again, in all directions, from all directions. Yeah, exactly. 
And I think we don't have yet enough precise data on what's happening on social media. But I think if we were able to collect all the anti-Semitic content online, it's probably not targeting Jews. I mean, it's everywhere. It's coming, you know, in the comments of every type of articles on on very uh, various uh, subjects. That's one aspect of it. And the other aspect, of course, is to recall the experience the fear of the French Jews and also the violence. That was my last point about those uh, the statistics that were released, that we see the specificity of anti-Semitism is the importance of violence acts. The vast majority of the total of incidents are targeting people and not groups. There is an increase of the most violent uh, physical aggression. And also we cannot say that there is a decrease in anti-Semitism based on this decrease during the year when we had an anti-Semitic homicide, we had someone like Sarah Alimi, Mr. Hajjaj, who was killed at his home a few months ago that was thrown away from his window like Sarah Alimi. And the inquiry is still going on, but the anti-Semitic motivation uh, was upheld by the court at this stage. So we cannot satisfy ourselves with this uh, apparent decrease, or it would mean that we get used to it. We have, you know, one anti-Semitic murder almost every year for the last past few years. Uh, the French society, and we cannot get used to it, and we have to recall the zero tolerance policy, and we have to react as strongly as ever. So in other words, even though there's a decline in hate crimes and even a decline in anti-Semitic incidents that are reported, they still far outweigh hate crimes against other communities, and they are particularly horrendous, those that are committed against Jews. Yeah, and probably the last aspect interesting about those statistics is the importance of incidents that are taking place in the private sphere. This is a very serious and worrying phenomenon because, you know, when there was a rise of anti-Semitic incidents, we said, okay, we are going to increase the security around synagogues, around Jewish schools, around Jewish sites. But more and more, and we see in the statistics that an important part of those acts are taking place at home. In buildings, people are harassing by their neighbors, by people in their areas, and this is increasing the level of fear. And this is also increasing the fact that people don't go to the police to file a complaint. Because when you're harassed by your neighbor, you're fear to go to the police because it's always a reason why people explain why they don't file a complaint. The fear of reprisal is always mentioned. And I think this is very worrying. And we saw it with the last homicide, Sarah Halimi, Mireille Knoll, Mr. Hajjaj, they've been killed in their home, in the intimacy of their home. We can't put a policeman in front of each synagogue, and that's what we did in France after the terrorist attack, but we cannot put a policeman in front of every mezuzah of every uh, Jewish house. This plan is intended to tackle discrimination of all kinds, right? Not just anti-Semitism. Racism, discrimination against the Roma, I think, was added this year. Is it a concern that it doesn't solely address anti-Semitism? Does that water down or or weaken the effort in any way? It's a good question. It's a question that we are asking ourselves. It's always been the case that the governmental body that was created 10 years ago was already addressing both racism and anti-Semitism, right? Then a few years later, they've also added hatred against LGBT. So it's the same body who's addressing those different types of hatred. And it's the first time that the plan, the strategy, is adding discriminations related to the origin. And 
the first reaction is that it makes sense because it's true that racism and discrimination are often related. It is also true that anti-Semitism is a specific form of a hatred and it's different. It's less related to discrimination, etc. So what we want to recall is that even if they put everything in the same strategy, we have to make sure that they keep implementing a specific dedicated measures that understand the specificities of anti-Semitism. All of the ones that we just mentioned, the violence, the fact that it's a widespread phenomenon affecting the whole society. And so they put the means that are matching the specificities of anti-Semitism, the pace of the phenomenon, etc., etc. That's how we advocated for that plan. And there are measures who are targeted and dedicated to anti-Semitism, but it's something we have to be careful about. That's for sure. So the Biden administration here in America has announced a task force to come up with a, a similar plan, I imagine, to, to combat anti-Semitism. What can we learn from the process there in France? I think that the process has evolved in a good direction. And something that the government is now doing is to involve the civil society organizations like ours from the beginning of the process asking them very transparently recommendations, including them in the reflection process. They organize like working groups every week, every two weeks with all the anti-racist and Jewish organizations like ours. And I think it was very healthy and, and very constructive for them because I mentioned a few recommendations that have been included in the plan. They've included recommendations from other anti-racist organizations we work with that are focusing on legal issues, etc. And I think it really helped the government to come up with a robust, thoughtful plan. Working with the experts and working with the NGO, I think it would be a good lesson learned because we saw the evolution. It was not the same. It was a little bit different, I think, for the previous plan. Well, Anne-Sophie, thank you so much for all the work you're doing there in France to bring these major changes about. And thank you so much for sharing how you did that with our listeners. Thank you so much, Manya. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by AJC. Our producer is Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can subscribe to People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Or learn more at AJC.org slash People of the Pod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at AJC.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to tell your friends, tag us on social media with hashtag peopleofthepod, and hop on to Apple Podcasts to rate us and write a review to help more listeners find us. Tune in next week for another episode of People of the Pod.